Good morning, Power Place. Good to see you in God's house today. What an awesome God we serve. Amen? Thank you, guys. We're in a brand new series entitled, Can You Hear Me Now? Murgatroyd. You remember that word? Would you believe the email spell checker didn't recognize the word Murgatroyd? Heavens to Murgatroyd. The other day, a not-so-elderly lady said something to her son about driving a jalopy, and he looked at her quizzically and said, what's a jalopy? He never heard of the word jalopy. Well, I hope you are a hunky-dory dandy after you hear this and chuckle. Uh, about a month ago, I illuminated some old expressions that have become obsolete because of the inexorable march of technology. These phrases include, don't touch that dial. Carbon copy. You sound like a broken record and hung out to dry. Back in the olden days, we had a lot of moxie. We'd put on our best bib and tucker and straighten up and fly right. Heavens to Betsy. Gee willikers. Jumping Jehoshaphat. Holy moly. We were in like Flynn and, and living the life of Riley and even a regular guy couldn't accuse us of being a knucklehead, a nincompoop, or a pill. See, some of you aren't laughing because you have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> Not for all the tea in China. Back in the olden days, life used to be swell. But when's the last time anything was swell? Swell, that's what happened to my ankle the other day. <laughs> swell has gone the way of beehives, page boys, of spats, knickers, fedoras, poodle skirts, saddle shoes, and pedal pushers. And don't forget, saddle-stitched pants. And most of us can't remember that. Kilroy was here, but he isn't anymore. <laughs> I'm speaking a different language, aren't I? We wake up from what surely had, has just been a short nap, and before we can say, well, I'll be a monkey's uncle, or this is a fine kettle of fish, we discover that the words we grew up with, the words that seemed omnipresent as oxygen, have vanished with scarcely a notice from our tongues and our pens and our keyboards. And poof, go the words of our youth, the words we've left behind. We blink and they're gone. Long gone. Psh, the milkman did it. Hey, it's your nickel. Don't forget to pull the chain. Knee-high to a grasshopper. Well, fiddlesticks. Going like 60. I'll see you in the funny papers. Don't take any wooden nickels. Wake up and smell the roses. And it turns out there are more of these last lost words and expressions than Carter has liver pills. And this can be disturbing stuff. We of a certain age have been blessed to live in a changeable times. For a child, each new word is like a shiny toy, a toy that has no age. We at the other end of the chronological arc had the advantage of remembering there are words that once did not exist. And there were words that once strutted their hour upon the earthly stage and now are heard no more, except in our collective memory. It's one of the greatest advantages of aging. 
it leaves us to wonder where Superman will find a phone booth. <laughs> See you later, alligator. After a while, crocodile. Okie dokie. Can you hear me now? Good. And that was the, the uh, commercial that we all saw for many years, and now it's disappeared. Can you hear me now? And the whole idea was, we have a better communication line. We have a better ability for you to connect because there are dead spots everywhere, right? I remember when I first moved here to this area, I believe we were on T-Mobile because that's, that's what we had when we were traveling. And I would drive to Westchester and I couldn't talk to anybody. And then I'd, I'd go on certain roads in this area and I'm like, Nobody can hear me. I can't hear anybody. Nobody can hear me. And so the switch was made to Verizon and then to AT&T. And you're trying to figure out who has the best coverage so we can hear, so we can be connected, right? Because connection, the proper connection is vital if you're going to communicate. There's an airhead standing by the river. She sees another airhead on the opposite bank. And the airhead one says, Yoo-hoo, hello over there. How can I get to the other side of the river? Airhead number two on the other side says, Dummy, you are on the other side. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> can you hear me now? Communication, it's, it's not just about speaking. It's about listening. It's about hearing. It's about understanding. And did you know that communication problems are one of the leading problems in every marriage, in every relationship? You don't have to say that that loud, Anthony. Come on. Because we know it's on the other end. <laughs> Laura's about to jump up and shout. Hey, man, he doesn't listen to me at all. Every relationship has communication problems, and communication is, prob is probably one of the biggest issues in our relationship with God as well. He's speaking, but are we hearing? He's always communicating, but are we tuned in? Are we listening to what he's saying? In fact, the psalmist David writes in Psalm 19, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding like James did. It rejoices like a great athlete, eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. I mean, if you listen to him, he's got stuff that will absolutely revive you and put a spring in your step. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise 
the simple. If you're simple, all you got to do is get near him and listen to his words. He will make you wise. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Communication. Can you hear me now? God is speaking to us. He's speaking very clearly. But are we listening? Are we connected to the one who gives us wisdom, to the one whose words are sweeter than honey, are finer than gold, to the one who gives us the ability to know what to do and how to do it, to keep ourselves out of trouble, keep ourselves in the midst of his blessing. Can you hear me now? And so the question I asked myself this week is, how can I hear clearly? How do I make the proper connection so that I don't miss a thing. How can I communicate with God? How do I get on the same wavelength? And four things popped into my spirit this week as I was looking at this. Number one, these are four communication keys, four connection keys, four keys to making the proper connection. Number one, purity. Somebody say purity. What's that have to do with anything? Well, it has to do with a lot of things because the Scripture tells us that if, if I regard sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I'm putting up a blockage for Him hearing me and me hearing Him. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. In the NIV it says, If I had cherished sin... In my heart, the Lord would not have listened. There's some things that if, if I love sin more than I love him, if, if I cherish the things I'm into more than I cherish being with him, do you really think there's going to be a good connection there? I mean, it's the same in your marriage. Sin messes everything up. Sin brings a, a blockage. It, 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 it makes things all clogged up. Because we need to give forgiveness and we need to ask for forgiveness on a constant basis in order to th keep things flowing, right? I mean, if you regard sin, if you cherish sin more than you cherish the one you love, then... There's not going to be much communication there. So we've got to come clean. We've got to own our faults. Right? 
and, and just say, hey, look, you know what? I really messed up. In fact, I've continued to mess up for 36 years. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And, and seriously, there's some things you just keep going back to and you, you're messing up. And, and, but, but if you keep cherishing that more than you cherish your relationship with the one you love, you see what I'm saying? What kind of communication connection is there? First Peter chapter 3, Peter addresses this with the church and he says, in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. And then this line just kind of boggles my mind. Treat her as you should so that your prayers will not be hindered. Did you know how you treat your wife could absolutely interrupt your prayer connection with God? You can talk all day. He's not listening. Well, he hears you, but he's not responding the way you want him to. And so many times we, in our relationships, we mess up the connection, the proper connection we should have with our Heavenly Father. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. And then he goes on, finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other's brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. It's like, well, don't retaliate. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. Right? How do you mess up an argument? You just bless, right? Pay him back with a blessing. That's what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, who doesn't, right? Keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil. Do good. Search for peace. Work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord Watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. And if you want to make the proper connection, live a pure life. Purity makes the proper connection. In fact, in 1 John, little John talks about this. This is the message we heard from Jesus now declare to you. God is light, no darkness in him at all. So we're lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. When you get your, your life right with God, it makes relationships work. We have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, I'm good. What? You're the one with the problem. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. 
But if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all wickedness. Boom. Now, now that's the way to live. And it's a constant. It's a daily. Anybody mess up already this morning? Only a couple of us. Wow, I'm, I'm impressed. Y'all are holy. So it's, it's a constant communication. Hey, Lord, I, I know. I know, I know, I know. And I'm confessing that. And so purity helps us make that proper connection. Number two, proximity. Somebody say proximity. You got to come near to hear. I mean, it, if we want to have a connection, then probably we're not going to yell at each other across the way here. Hey! You talking to me? Yeah! Hey, just want you to know I love you! Really? Why don't we get a little closer than that? God so loved that he gave his only begotten son, he brought him into the world to become one of us so we could relate, so there could be some proximity. Uh, James says in James 4, 8, come close to God, and God will come close to you. God's already made that first step, but as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And that nearness changes everything. Come close to God. God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. And here's that purity thing. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Someone has said, and I had this on my, my office wall at, at early time in my ministry. If you want God near you in the storm, then you stay near him in the calm. A lot of times we're, we're looking for God in, in, the, in the storm, but we haven't been near him in the calm. We, don't, we haven't spent that quality time being in his presence. There's an old commercial, I don't know if you remember it or not, it said it, it was real quiet, right? Most commercials are loud. They amp the volume up, right? You're watching a show, and all the commercials will go, but this one was, if you want to capture someone's attention, whisper. You remember that? Anybody remember that? It was a perfume commercial. Whisper. And here's the reality. God speaks in a whisper. Because it's in a whisper that he has your attention. It's in the whisper that you get close enough to hear what he's saying. And there's some situations in our lives that draw us closer to God. And the closer we get, the clearer we hear his still, small voice. He's speaking, but are we listening? Come near to hear.
Proximity. Purity, proximity, and number three, passion. Somebody say passion. Relationship matters. What I love, I listen to. What I love, I listen for. Anchor was in the hospital this past week with pneumonia, RSV, and he was a sick little puppy, I'm telling you. And so somebody had to watch Harbor, who's the newborn, well, six-month-old now, right? Harbor's six months, and she can't live at home by herself. <laughs> Go figure. And so Mookie and Coogie took Harbor, and, and uh, you know, when you're not used to having a, a little live person in your house, it creates all kinds of, of things, but, but it's interesting that you know, things that you don't really hear, you start hearing because you're listening, because you love, and, and your ear is tuned in. And you know, mothers can't sleep through the night because they're always listening for the baby. They're listening for the baby, and when they hear the baby, they're up, they're out, they're gone. They're taking care of things. And I got to the point where I'm, I'm listening all night long. Is she awake? Is she up? Is she breathing? And one, one night, it was, it was hilarious. Uh, the, we, they, Harbor sleeps as a sound machine. It's like, it's like an airplane taking off at all times. And I'm thinking, I can't hear the baby over that, but you can if you listen. One night, 3 a.m., I'm up, and the sound machine's not going. And I don't hear a thing. It is silent in the house. Next thing I know, Christy's up. She said, did you hear the baby? I said, no, I don't hear anything. Do you hear? Because see, her hearing's better than mine. I, and, and all this, she said, okay, let's turn the sound machine off because something happened. Let's turn it back on. So I've got my phone. I'm, I'm turning it on, easing it back up to the right volume level. Right? And it goes... And, and we still don't hear. Well, five minutes later, I'm worried now. I'm thinking, okay, she's not breathing. Because we don't hear a thing. And she hasn't done anything. I said, you got to go check on her. Sure enough, Christy went in there. She said, she's, she's just laying there still as can be. I said, did you check to see if she's breathing? <laughs> Passion. What you love. I mean, there could be almost silence, and all of a sudden, a tune comes on, and, and everything else is noisy, but in the back, silence, you can hear this tune, and it's, going, it's one of your favorite songs, and all of a sudden, you recognize, and you're tapping your foot, and you're like, I could barely hear that, but I'm listening, because that's something I love, and you hear it above everything else. And our passion for God should be just like that. Our passion for our husband or wife 
for our children should be like that, that, that we're listening, trying to hear everything that's going on so we don't miss a thing. I don't know if you've ever been accused of selective hearing. Anybody? I'm the only one. Okay, great. I, I get the award. You can't hear anything else, but you heard that. How'd you hear that? Well, I, I, I don't know, yeah? Okay. I won't go there. Psalm 116, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. Something passionate in our relationship with God should keep us in that, that position. Matthew 22, they asked Jesus, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbors yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. Passion. Passion for God and passion for his people. Passion for God, passion for people. And those two right there, they link arms together. That's what the gospel is about. Passion for God and passion for people. If you miss out on either one of those, you're missing out. And the connection, the proper connection is not being made. If you want to have the proper connection, you've got to have purity, proximity, and you've got to have passion. Your passion for God and people will give you the proper connection. And you won't miss a thing. You won't miss it. Because you're tuned into what God wants and what the people around you need, even if it's your spouse, even if it's that nasty neighbor, you're tuned in because you have a passion for God and a passion for people. Last but not least, number four, perception. Somebody say perception. This one came to me in the middle of the night, and I'm like, perception, I... Okay, it's, it's defined in the dictionary as the ability to see, hear, or become aware of something through the senses. To see, to hear, or become aware of something through the senses. And many times God is speaking and we just don't perceive it. Many times my wife is speaking and I don't perceive it. No, I'm serious. I'll go, what's wrong? Nothing. And when she says nothing, you know you're in real trouble because you don't get it. You haven't figured it out yet. You're not perceiving what you're doing wrong. Perception. We're just not aware. We can't, can't hear because of our perception. It's... It's that little nudge from the Holy Spirit that we think it's just us. Oh, I, I, that was just me. And yet it was the Holy Spirit saying, go, go talk, go touch, go, go pray, go do. We ignore it. We haven't listened and obeyed enough to know when it's the Lord. And we haven't 
clearly perceived his voice, his direction, his clear speaking. First Samuel chapter 3, we hear the, the story of Samuel. And meanwhile, the boy Samuel, he's just a boy. He served the Lord by assisting Eli, who was God's priest at the time. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare. and Visions were quite uncommon. But one night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. And suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel! Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. And then the Lord called out again. Samuel. And again, Samuel got up, went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Eli said, go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? And Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. He realized, he finally perceived, oh, this is God. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. If someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. The Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. He begins to lay out his plan because finally Samuel had perceived that it was the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19, God says, See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it will spring up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. You see, there are times when God is working, we just don't perceive it yet. We don't see it. We can't quite understand it. It doesn't make any sense to us. Because there's no purity or proximity or passion, we miss out on our perception. Sometimes we can only understand by looking back and gaining a fresh perspective. get it now. Oh, that's what was going on. I can finally perceive. I can finally see. And our perception changes as we finally see, hear, or become aware of what God has been doing, what He is doing, what He has been saying all along. Corey Ten Boom, she was a, a Dutch Christian watchmaker who along with other family members, helped many Jews escape the Nazi Holocaust during World War II. She was imprisoned in a Nazi women's labor camp along with her sister Betsy. And Corey wrote years later of her conversation with God regarding the condition of their barracks. The circumstances for the inmates were unimaginably horrific everywhere in the labor camp. But Corey discovered that her barracks were the most uninhabitable because of an infestation of fleas. According to Corey, she was complaining to God about the fleas when she 
suddenly realized the fleas kept the prison guards from entering their barracks. Because of the fleas, Corey and her sister Betsy were able to preach and lead worship services, and hundreds of women received Christ. And God allowed the things she despised into Corey's life to protect her ministry. Corey endured an unspeakable situation, but as she reframed her thinking, she began to see the blessing in the midst of the mess. Perception. And some of us are in a place right now and we're thinking, what in the world is going on? And we can't see God in it at all. And yet maybe he's trying to do some purity in your life. Quite possibly he's trying to bring you closer and get some proximity. You can hear his still small voice. Just maybe he's trying to light a fire of passion in your heart for him and not the junk around you, not the temporary stuff. It doesn't amount to a hill of beans. Just maybe he's trying to get your perception to where you finally see him in the middle of everything. Even though he's always been there, the proper connection wasn't there. Would you stand with me, please? what God's speaking to you. But I have a feeling he's speaking. Can you hear him now? Are things becoming clearer or is there still something blocking the signal? I want you just to lift your hands to heaven this morning. Close your eyes. Forget about those on your right and left. Draw near to God. And He will draw near to you. Purify your hearts. Cleanse your hands. Let Him do in you what needs to be done, but you confess your sin and allow Him to be faithful and just to forgive you cleanse you from all unrighteousness to make that connection with you and allow you to have a connection with other people because of the purity in your heart. This is between you and God today. Oh God, cleanse our hearts, I pray.
I want to love you more than I love my sin. Give us a passion for you. Set our hearts ablaze for you. Not for the things of this world. Not for that next shiny little toy. Oh God, we want to love you.